Uh, I wanted to ask us a question tonight before I, I get into the message, and that is, have you ever had to wait? Have you ever had to wait for something? You know, waiting, can I just be real for a second, can be one of the most frustrating things. It, it can be one of the most frustrating things in life. You know, um, I've had to wait several times. One of those is at this place called Movie World. You know, oh yeah, everyone's like, man, Movie World. Now, I love Movie World. I love roller coasters. I love rides. I love adrenaline. Anyone else with me? You love roller coasters, rides, adrenaline, come on. But Movie World, if you go on the weekend or especially a school holiday, you're waiting about two, three hours for every single 40 second roller coaster you're going on. And I think it's um, that they're doing really good financially because you go on about three rides throughout the day and you pay them like $100 for the day. Like they're doing pretty good. Um, there's been other moments in my life where I've had to wait. There was this one time I ordered something online on wish.com. Other people have been scarred by wish.com. And uh, if you don't know what Wish is, essentially it's an online shopping app and essentially they just make everything super cheap. Like you can buy probably a brand new car on Wish for like $12 or something ridiculous. Like it is crazy. You can buy like a brand new swimming pool for like $14.50. <laughs> like, but there was this one time I ordered a key ring at Wish or on Wish and I, I ordered it and I forgot I ordered it. That's how long it took for it to get to me. It came a year later after I ordered this, this key ring. And can I tell you, the key ring didn't even look like the key ring that I ordered. I think they got the wrong order after a year. I had to wait for a long time. Uh, maybe you've had to wait in traffic. Man, come on. I know some of you are Christian, but when you have to wait in traffic, I know some of you are just vicious behind the wheel. Come on, let's be vulnerable. Traffic, like if you go into the city from four to six o'clock or around there, you just got to add 40 minutes to, you know, the uh, ETA on your destination that you're going to. For those that don't know what ETA is, it's expected time of arrival. Um, what about the waiting room at like a doctor's or a hospital or something like that is that sometimes the, the wait can be crazy in, in that. Maybe as well is that you've been waiting for that person to text you back because you asked them for coffee. Oh, yeah, I know. Can, can, I just, can I just, you know, speak to the person that doesn't reply to the person that asks them for coffee? Just reply. Don't, don't leave them in the waiting for like six days because their heart is just beating like crazy for six days. They're checking whether you've seen it, you know, they just keep on going back into that thread. Can you just set them free right then in that second? And if you don't want coffee, just say, hey, I don't want to go get coffee, you know. But have you ever had to wait? I've had to wait so many times. It can be so frustrating when we wait. Is that the, the culture and the time that we're living in right now is that they call us the microwave generation, that we just love things instantly. We love instant gratification. We love instant food. You know, we love instant deliveries online. We love it when, you know, we can have it now. Even we are that instant that now we pay subscriptions to like Netflix and Stan and Disney Plus because we got so sick of the ads. Literally like a three minute ad break is that people won't watch free to air TV because there's too many ads apparently. You know, it is that, you know, this generation that we're living in, this time and this culture that we're living in is all about instant gratification. It's about having something and having it right now. And if we aren't careful, this can affect our ability to wait on God in certain scenarios in our life. 
to wait on God is that if we're not careful, this can have a negative impact on our faith. And I wanted to ask you a second question on the back of that first question. Have you ever had to wait on God? Have you ever had a time in your life where God hasn't come through at the time that you expected Him to come through? Have you ever had a time where maybe you prayed for something and you were expecting it to be instant, but then you had to go on a journey where you had to wait on Him? I've titled my message tonight, What to Do in the Waiting. What to do in the waiting. Is that I think, you know, off the back of faith, love, hope, this should be a timely message for some people because the reality is, is there might be some prayer requests that they are almost, I can almost guarantee it, that there might be some prayer requests in this place that haven't been answered over this week. That you're in the waiting. And I, I wanted to speak into this tonight. And, you know, can I just acknowledge the people that we have in the room first? I don't wanna be insensitive to anyone in this room is that I know that there's probably been some people in this place, you've been waiting on God for something for years. You've been waiting maybe for someone's salvation. Maybe, maybe you've been you know, waiting for something to, to shift in your own mindset. Maybe, maybe you've been waiting for maybe a healing or a restoration in your own body or over someone's situation over their life. Can I say that I just wanna acknowledge that you're in the room tonight and I don't wanna preach a message that's insensitive to you that says you gotta conjure up enough faith so that you see a miracle. Because I know that some of you over these situations and in these situations have been on your knees every single day praying, have been on your knees believing God to see something and to see something shift. I don't wanna be insensitive to you tonight, but what I do wanna do is encourage you to keep on going, to keep on seeking God, to press in spiritually because I know that God can work on you when you're in the waiting. I've come to realise that often the waiting and when we wait on God either makes us or it breaks us. And unfortunately, over the years, I've seen so many people broken in this waiting process with God, which is why I wanted to speak into it tonight. And now I'm gonna master of this. Right now, if, if I can just be vulnerable, is that I'm waiting on God for some things in my own life. My mum, over the last 10 years, has gone on a mental health journey. She's been diagnosed over the last 10 years with seven different mental illnesses, been in hospital over 100 times in 10 years. And I'm still waiting on God to heal her. I'm still waiting on God to come into her situation and to bring salvation to her life. On top of that, I'm waiting for some family members' salvation right now. I've been praying, I've been believing, and I'm waiting on God. I'm like, God, would you, would you come into their life and would you seek and save the lost like you said you would? And would you come into their life and could we see a shift? I'm waiting as well. And this is why I think this message has done some heart work on me is because I'm waiting as well. It's not like I'm waiting on nothing. No, I'm waiting on some things. And I pray that as we wait on God, that He would use it for good. And that the waiting in, in this church would actually make us and it would build a godly character in us through this process with God. We're gonna be reading from Exodus 17, verse eight to 16 tonight. For those of you that don't know where it is, it's in the Old Testament. For those of you that love Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but a bit of context behind this and what I kind of want to preface this with is that so many times in the Old Testament is that physical battles can, can teach us how to fight our spiritual battles today, right now in 2022. And can I tell you this, that the Word of God is alive, it is active, and in 2022, it hasn't lost its power. The Old Testament is still relevant in part. And can I tell you that, you know, the Bible has the ability to impact our life. 
I know that when we fight spiritually, we can gleam of the wisdom here in Exodus 17 in this physical battle between the Israelites and the Amalekites. So we're gonna read it together. I'm gonna be reading from the NIV. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. It says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. I did pretty good for someone that can't read that well. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As soon as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because it, I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of God, that the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. From this text tonight, we're gonna go through four things that we need to do when we're in this waiting process with God. Now, these aren't the four things but they're just four things that we can do is that, you know, you might have something that works for you. You might have something that um, in the waiting, you just discover in your own personal relationship with God. But these are just four things that we can do when we're in this waiting process. What we first need to acknowledge is that this battle didn't just, it wasn't won instantly, is that it happened over a two day period as we know here. And Moses, you know, kept on uh, pressing into God over this two day period to see the victory on the other side for the Israelites. So what's the first thing that we need to do that we can kind of gain from this text when we are waiting on God? The first thing that we need to do is we need to keep, or you gotta keep your eyes on the spiritual. When you're waiting on God, you need to keep your eyes on the spiritual side of things. Can I tell you, Moses, what I'm encouraged by in Exodus 17 is that he didn't just fix his eyes on the physical battle at hand. No, he, he kept his eyes on the spiritual. He sent Joshua out to fight the physical battle, but then he's like, you know what? I gotta keep my eyes on the spiritual because he knew that the spiritual is what mattered. The spiritual realm was what mattered in this time of waiting when he was waiting for this victory. And I think so many times when we're waiting on God is our natural reaction is to fix our eyes on the physical. It's to fix our eyes on, on what isn't shifting. We start to ask questions like, God, God, why isn't this shifting? Why isn't this moving? Why aren't I seeing change? Because we fix our eyes on the physical, but can I encourage us to keep your eyes on the spiritual tonight? Maybe you've been in this battle you know, for years, can I encourage you tonight once again, would you fix your eyes on the spiritual? If you're already looking at the spiritual, would you keep your eyes on the spiritual? Because it's powerful when we fix our eyes on the spiritual. I love what it says in Ephesians 6 verse 12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The enemy knows one of his greatest attacks on us in the waiting is to just fix, put some things physically that, that don't make sense so that we would fix our eyes on the physical. 
But can I tell you that the enemy knows that there's nothing more powerful than a Christian that knows to fix their eyes on the spiritual realm. You know, because we can see, we, we can sing things like, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're working. But do we believe it in here? When we're actually in the waiting, is that our perspective or do we really think that God isn't working behind the scenes? Can I tell you that if things aren't shifting physically, we serve a God that is working behind the scenes. We serve a God that is working. We serve a God that is moving. He hasn't stopped moving. Can I tell you right now in 2022, He is just as powerful as He was right here in Exodus 17. That is the God that we serve. I love in the book of Daniel, Daniel 10, verse 11 to 13, it gives us a bit of insight into what this spiritual battle can kind of look like. And this is one of the only places where we see something like this in the Bible. We're gonna read it. It says, The man said, Daniel, you are highly respected. Think carefully about what I'm going to say to you and stand up. God has sent me to you. When he said that, I trembled as I stood up. He continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. You decided to get more understanding. You made yourself humble as you worshiped your God. Since the first day you did those things, your words were heard. I wonder who tonight thinks that their prayers have gone unheard from God. I love right here that that just breaks down that lie is that every time we pray is that God hears us. That your words don't just fall flat on the ground. No, no, no. Can I tell you that every time you open your mouth in prayer is that we serve a God that hears us, that loves us, that is so open to hearing us. I've come to give you an answer, but the Prince of Persia opposed me for days. Then Michael came to help me. He is one of the leaders of the angels. He helped me win the battle over the king of Persia. Is it here in this text, we find that Daniel prays, he worships, he's, he's trying to get clarity over this vision that he had. And for 21 days, these angels that were sent to Daniel to send a message to him were opposed by something. There was a bit of a Delay is that, know that this, if, if you are in the waiting right now, is that God has heard you and God is working behind the scenes to get to you right now. Rest assured that God has heard you and He is working behind the scenes to get to you. And what this tells me is a delay in the Kingdom of God is not a denial. Some of you maybe have come into faith, love, hope, and just because you haven't seen what, what you were praying for this week is maybe you thought that you were denied from God. But can I tell you that a delay in the Kingdom of God is not a denial. And we know that from the book of Daniel chapter 10. A delay is not a denial. But we've got to fix our eyes on the spiritual. Man, man look at these times that, that in the Word of God people waited. Look at the walls of Jericho. Look at that story is that they literally waited to walk around seven times before the walls fell at Jericho. Imagine if they just fixed their eyes on the physical in that situation. Man, maybe on the sixth lap, they would have been like, things aren't changing, things aren't shifting. I'm walking around with the same people. I'm walking around the same walls. But can I tell you that a delay does not mean a denial? Is that on the seventh time, God came through as He said He would. Look at Abraham, he was promised descendants as many as the stars. Yet there was a, a bit of a delay between that actually happening and when God spoke to him back then. You know, even look at Jesus. Jesus started His ministry not when He was one, but when He was 30, there was a bit, a bit of a delay there. There was a bit of, of a waiting process there for Jesus to enter into ministry. Lazarus, look at that story. 
is that they send to Jesus, hey, you know what? We need you to come heal Lazarus, but it says that Jesus was delayed. He waited where he was one day and then he went to them and by that time, Lazarus was dead. But can I tell you is that His ways are higher than our ways. And in that story, Jesus knew that that wasn't just gonna be a miracle of healing. No, that was gonna be a story of resurrection. That He had greater thoughts. He had greater plans in mind for that situation. Look at Joseph who had a dream and then there was a bit of a delay. There was a couple of setbacks there, but God still came through. We gotta fix our eyes on the spiritual because I know as soon as you take your eyes off the spiritual, you'll be discouraged. You'll disengage with God. You'll be defeated. But if you are waiting on God, the first thing you need to do is fix your eyes on what is happening spiritually. What is that area in your life that you have lost spiritual eyes for? Maybe, you know, you you were inviting a colleague from work to come to church and it just got too hard and there were too many rejections. Would you fix your eyes on the spiritual once again? Because the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Look with spiritual eyes. Maybe it's the salvation of a family member. Maybe it's, you know, healing in your own body. Maybe it's restoration of a relationship. I don't wanna be insensitive tonight, but I just wanna tell you to fix your eyes on the spiritual because God is working behind the scenes. He's working behind the scenes. I love Exodus 17, verse 12. It said, when Moses, when his hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. What a remarkable story is that we see Moses growing tired, he's growing weary and he's got some people that come alongside him and help him out in worshiping God and lifting his hands in that battle. Is the first thing we need to do, we, we, we need to keep our eyes on the spiritual, but the second thing we need to do is we need to have a safe place, a safe place. Now, what do I mean by that? Is that we need to have a place where we just get real in that place. You know, we, we need some people that we need to get real with. Can I just set some people free tonight? It's okay to be frustrated at a situation with God that you don't have to fake it till you make it. You don't have to even come into your prayer life and go, God, you know, I, I, I'm feeling so good right now about this situation. No, you can just be straight up frustrated. You can come to God just being so real. Can I tell you this, that God doesn't just want a, a fake relationship with you. He wants a real relationship with you. That God just doesn't want those good thoughts. He doesn't just want the manufactured thoughts. No, He wants your real thoughts. And can I tell you, if you're not giving that to Him right now, is that He already knows those thoughts. He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows how you are feeling. So just get real with God. But also, not just getting real with God, we gotta get real with people. We gotta get real with people. We need a safe place that we can go to where we can say, you know what, this is frustrating me right now. That, that this is just a real struggle right now for me so that those people can come alongside us and help us praise God and, and lift our vision once again. You know, vulnerability is a quite an unheard of thing in today's culture. Is that so many times you, you ask someone, how are you going? 99.9999% of the time, the answer is good. Literally, this is most conversations like, hey, what's your name? Or like, hey, how you doing, bro? How you going? Yeah, good. You know, that, that is most conversations that happen today is that vulnerability is an unheard of thing in today's culture. But can, can we be a church that gets real? Can we be a church that doesn't just have manufactured thoughts and a manufactured life, but a church that says, you know what? We're here to build each other up anyway. This is what I'm going through right now. Would you be able to help me out? Would you be able to help me out? Because I know this, 
that when we get real, or if we aren't real with people, is that it doesn't help the people that we aren't real with. Because then they think that they can't be real with anyone else as well, but it also doesn't help you. It doesn't help you is that we need to get real with some people. We need some people in our life that are gonna pray with us, that are gonna encourage us, that are gonna lift our vision, people that will acknowledge what we're going through right now. Do you have a safe place? Do you have a place where you can just, do you have a place with God that you can get real with? And do you have a place with people where you can just get real with? Because this is what is gonna help us move forward together. You know, I love in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, it says, therefore, Encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Is that we aren't just in the same building for, you know, no reason. Is that we're called as a church to build one another up and do life with each other. Man, I don't wanna be a church that's just a bunch of individuals that somewhat find ourselves in the same building for an hour and a half. No, I wanna be a church that do life with each other, get real with each other, lift each other in prayer, lift our vision. Because that's what, what one of the functions of the church is to do, is that we got to build one another up. we got to get real with people. I love what it says, even in verse 14 of the same chapter, it says, we earnestly urge you, b- believers, admonish those who are out of line, the undisciplined, the unruly, the disorderly. Encourage the timid who lack spiritual courage, help the spiritually weak. Help the spiritually weak. Be very patient with everyone, always controlling your temper. Our job, if one of our brothers or one of our sisters in the faith is spiritually weak because they're in the waiting with God, if they're frustrated with God, our job is to watch out for that person and to build them up, to, to, to lift their vision, to, to encourage them to pray, even when they don't have the strength. I love in this story that we read in Exodus is that Moses was growing weary, but they got a rock for him to sit on. They got either side of him and they lifted his hands up. There's sometimes in your relationship with God, you need someone to come alongside you and lift your hands up. Can I tell you, in in my walk of faith, there's been many times in my life where I've just needed someone to lift my hands up. There's been many times in my life where I've just needed a safe place to go to and say, you know what, I'm frustrated at this. Can you please help me? Can you please encourage me? Is that we need a safe place. And if you aren't in a safe place right now, if you you feel like you can't be real with people, is here's two practical things that you can do. Number one, find a life group. Find a life group. Go to the lounge on the way out. Find a life group, a group of people that you can get real with and do life with. And maybe you've been to a life group before and you didn't like that life group. That's okay. We have heaps of life groups. You know, I love what Rick Warren says. He says, if you go to the doctor, the doctor wasn't good. You don't go, I'm never going back to any doctor again. You just go find another doctor. It's similar with life groups. Find your crew, find your people that you can get real with, that you can pray with, that you can encourage. And also approach someone to mentor you, to catch up for coffee with you, where you can just have a safe place. Would tonight be the night where you say, you know what, if you don't have a mentor, someone that you consistently catch up with, would tonight be the night where you go, you know what, I'm gonna catch up with someone. I'm gonna get someone to encourage me. I'm gonna get someone I can just be real with so that we can build one another up. Don't wait on God alone. Have a safe place. Be real. Get a community that will pray for you, lift you up when you don't have the strength to lift yourself up. And if you were new in this place, you found yourself in an amazing church that wants to do life with you. Can I tell you that? That wants to do these things over your life. I love, it it says, as soon as Moses, in verse 11, as soon as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And then it, it goes on to say, when Moses' hand grew 
tired or when they grew weary and then we read it before what happens. Another thing that we gotta do in the waiting that I've found is that we gotta keep seeking. So the first thing we gotta do is we gotta keep our eyes on the spiritual. The second thing we gotta do is we need to have a safe place in our relationship with God, but also with other people. And the third thing that we gotta do is we gotta keep seeking. I love that Moses knew in in Exodus 17 that he had to keep seeking God through the battle. But the reality is there's so many times when we're in the waiting with God is that we can stop seeking. Our, Our natural reaction is to lean out of the things of God, is to lean out of our relationship with God, is to lean out of praying, is to lean out of reading your Word. But can I encourage you to keep seeking and to seek continually? You know, when you are in the waiting with God, it's not an excuse to stop seeking, it's an excuse to start seeking God. And even even if you were seeking God before, would you seek Him more in this waiting room? Because otherwise it's gonna get a whole lot more frustrating. You know, if I was in maths class, and I I, I did maths by the way, um, some of you are like, you can't do maths. I can do maths. I, I've studied accounting. I love maths. Uh, but if I was in maths class and I didn't understand, you know, one of the questions, like say it's like an algebra question or something like that, you know, and, and I was in the classroom, what would I do if I, if I didn't understand that question? I would probably go up to the teacher and say, look, I, I don't understand this. Can you please explain it to me? And you're like, Liam, that, came, that story literally came out of nowhere. Where are we going with this? I think so many times in our relationship with God, we don't understand something. We get frustrated at something. Something doesn't make sense to us. And what we do is we don't go to the teacher, we walk out of the classroom. We walk out of the classroom, we say, no, 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 you know what, I'm done, I'm disengaging right now. But can I tell you, if you don't understand something, you gotta start seeking God. You gotta seek the one that knows everything. You gotta seek the one that, that He says that His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts higher than our thoughts. This is what we need to do. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. What the enemy wants us to do in the waiting is to give up. He does. So many times in the waiting is that there's a small voice in the back of my head that tells me to give up, to stop praying, to stop believing because God is never gonna come through. But can I tell you that if we don't grow weary in doing good, if we do not give up, the harvest is gonna come not in your timing, not when it's convenient for you, but at the proper time, as it says in Galatians 6, 9. Man, I'm so grateful for God's timing, hey. In the moment, sometimes I'm like, God, I would love it this way, but I'm grateful for His timing. It is so perfect. It is so precise. There's been moments in my life where I've wanted something in my own timing but I haven't got it in my own time and I'm grateful that I didn't get it in my own timing. But normally it works in hindsight. Would you not grow weary in doing good? Moses was growing weary. What did he do? He got himself in a community of people and he said, you know what? I need you to come alongside me right now because I'm feeling like I don't have strength. And then what happened was is that he was encouraged to continue to do good. Can I encourage you to do these things if you're in the waiting? Keep on praying, keep on serving. I've seen so many people in the waiting stop serving and they've been taken out, they've been side railed. No, no, engage in the things of God, continue to serve. Continue to serve. Keep on sowing, keep on believing, keep on coming to church. 
Once again, I've seen so many people that got frustrated with God, they just stopped coming to church for some reason. Keep coming back. This is the place you need to be because there's gonna be weeks, like I said, where you can't hold up your own hands and you just need to come down the front and let God wreck you and let the presence of God come over you. Don't walk away from the presence of God, walk to the presence of God. Keep on praising. Can I tell you that, that God is so good that we should just continually praise Him no matter what we're going through. And I know it's hard sometimes. I know it's hard when your, your situation that you're going through doesn't feel like it's gonna shift or it's gonna change, but would you keep on praising? And would you keep on telling people in your life about God's goodness? The amount of people that are in the waiting that I know that have stopped telling people about God's goodness. No, He is still good. He is still good. No matter what you're going through, He is still good. I know it's hard to hear sometimes, but we just gotta keep on telling people about His goodness. God can't steer a parked car. I've come to realise that, is that sometimes we gotta move. James 4.8, as we draw near to God, He's gonna draw near to us. And sometimes we gotta continue to do these things even when we don't feel like God is near and just you know, sit ourselves on that promise and say, you know what, I'm gonna know who God is and I'm just gonna press into the things of God and it's gonna give me an unreal perspective through what I'm going through right now. The last thing, I love how this verse ends. It says, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is our banner. Know that every battle you go through, not just in Exodus 17 right here, you go into the battle with the banner being Jesus. You don't go into the, the, the battle with the banner being your name or someone else's name or some inferior name. No, you go into the battle just like this. The Lord is my banner. And can I tell you that Jesus is victorious. That no matter what you're going through right now, can I tell you that Jesus is greater? It is, it is so hard to hear that sometimes, but that is the good news. That is the truth. And my fourth thing that we need to do when we're in the waiting is that we, we, we need to come to a place where we don't settle for defeat. But why? Because the Lord is your banner tonight. The Lord is your banner, that, that in that battle, He is your banner. Can I tell you a couple of things that God is greater than, that God, you know, just overcomes, that He's victorious over. He is greater than bad thoughts. He is greater than family drama. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He is your banner if you are believing for someone's salvation. He is greater than lack. He is greater than disease. He is greater than cancer. He is greater than past mistakes. He is greater than shame. He is greater than that addiction. He is greater than loneliness and He is greater than fear. That's not everything He's greater than, but that's a good list of things that He is greater than. Don't settle for defeat because the Lord is your banner when you go into battle. And we serve a God that has never lost a battle. Even right now in 2022, God has never lost a battle. The Bible says that He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And if He won the battle back then in Exodus 17, can I tell you that no matter what you're going through is that He reigns victorious. So I wanna encourage some people, maybe you've been believing for something for years. Don't settle for defeat. Maybe you've been going through something for weeks. Don't settle for defeat. He is your banner. He is victorious. So what do we need to do in the waiting? Four things that we need to do is that we need to keep our eyes on the spiritual. The enemy knows one of 
the, the greatest attacks he has or one of the greatest distractions he has is to try to get us to fix our eyes on the physical. Can I tell you that we serve a God that even when we don't see it or feel it, He is working behind the scenes. Fix your eyes on the spiritual. You need a safe place. You need to just get real with God. I believe there's some people in this place, you just gotta get real with God. You just gotta tell God that you're frustrated or something. You just gotta be real with God. He wants a real relationship with you, not a fake one. But also you need a safe place of people that you can go to when you're frustrated at things so that they can help you out and come alongside you and lift your hands up when you feel like you don't have the strength. The third thing that we need to do is keep seeking. I know it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear for me. You know, even in my mum's situation, 10 years, 100 times in hospital, it's hard to hear me to keep seeking. What? Keep praying. Once a mentor told me this, he said, Liam, if you saw what happened in the spiritual realm when you prayed, you would pray a lot more. Isn't that true? That when we say, God, would you break every chain? It's not like it just falls flat. No, picture spiritually chains breaking off people's lives. And when, when I pray, God, break every chain off my mum's life, is that I gotta spiritually see those chains begin to break and those chains begin to just get frail and frail and frail under the Name of Jesus. You gotta keep seeking. I know it's hard to hear, but you gotta. And one thing that we need to do as well, we're gonna keep seeking, but we can't settle for defeat because Jesus is our banner. He reigns victorious. That's what we need to do in the waiting. And the reality is, is that so many of us in this place are probably waiting on God. But can I tell you, can I play a bit of a reverse card here for a second? Is that there's some people in this place, God is waiting on you. He is waiting on you to come home. There's a story in the Bible, it's the story of the prodigal son where it, it, it mirrors our relationship with God and what it looks like and it mirrors us coming to God for the very first time. And what happens is, is this, this father gives his son his inheritance and he goes and spends it on wildest living. He, he goes and he, he just spends it on crazy things and he ends up being broke. He ends up having nothing left. And he's like, what do I do? And then he's like, I need to go home. So he turns around and the father is waiting for him when he goes home. And he doesn't point a finger at him. No, he, he's standing there with arms wide open waiting for him. And this mimics our relationship with God is that I believe there's some people in this place and God is waiting on you to come home. That you are like the son and he is like the father and he's saying, you know what, would you just come home? No matter what you have done, no matter what mistakes you have made, no matter where you find yourself here tonight, is that there's a God that wants to know you, that wants a real relationship with you, that has been chasing after you and waiting for you to come home. That's the God that we serve. Can I tell you that making a decision to, to know God and, and, and making a decision to follow Him was the greatest decision that I've ever made in my entire life. It changed my life. I found freedom, I found purpose, I found, I found peace, I found joy, all because I made that one decision to come home to God, to start a relationship with Him. So with every head bowed and eyes closed in this place, maybe, just maybe, God is waiting on you tonight to come home. Maybe you feel like right now you're lacking purpose, you're lacking peace, you're lacking joy and you need to come home to God. You need to start a real relationship with Him. Or maybe tonight as well, that you used to have a relationship with God, but you ran away from the house once again. You ran away from Him and tonight you wanna say, God, you know what? I wanna know You again. I wanna come into a real relationship with You again. 
If that is you on the count of three, I'd love you to lift your hand. Now, I'm not gonna put a spotlight on you. I'm not gonna shame you. I'm not gonna call you out the front, but I wanna pray with you because that is the greatest decision that you could ever make in your entire life. It changed my life. It's changed so many people's lives in this auditorium, no matter their background, no matter their story. And it has the ability to change your life tonight. You are one turn away, one decision away from entering into a relationship with Him. So on the count of three, that's you. I'd love you to lift your hand. No one's looking. One, God loves you so much. The Bible says that there's nothing that could separate you from the love of God. Nothing that you have done, nothing in your past, nothing in your present right now that could separate you from His love. Two, is that God has been waiting on you. He's been waiting for this moment for you to come home. And three, is that anyone in this place that says, you know what, I wanna come home to God. I wanna have a real relationship with God. I see that hand over there, that's amazing. Incredible. Is, that, is there anyone else tonight as I look from the right to the left, from the front to the back? Just nice and high so I can see it. Incredible. Well, God, we thank You for the one tonight, that one. Jesus, we thank You that your Word says that you would leave the 99 that are saved, that are found, and you would go and chase after the one, that you've been chasing after this one every single day. God, you've been waiting on this one to come home. And you promise us that as they come home tonight, that all of heaven rejoices. So God, I thank You that the old would be gone, the new would come, that they would step into a life of purpose, they would step into a life of fulfilment. And God, that they would just enter into a real relationship with You. And we thank You for that in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Well, hey, can we celebrate that one tonight? Incredible decision. Incredible.